Welcome to the On The Yard Podcast, powered by the R.W. Jones Agency. I'm your host, Ashley Northington, and I'm here to connect you with the trends, news, and events happening across historically Black and minority-serving colleges and universities. Tune in each week where we will give you a dose of HBCU leadership and culture, one episode at a time. Hello, hello, and welcome to On the Yard. I'm your host, Ashley Northington, and today we are talking about the legacy HBCUs have established in cultivating our nation's most prominent and distinguished leaders, especially in the areas of social justice and politics. Today, we are honored to talk with American Baptist College President, Dr. Forrest Elliott Harris Sr., who will share more about ABC's legacy and connection to the two late great civil rights leaders, Reverend C.T. Vivian and Congressman John Lewis, and their connection to the current movement, including national leadership from people such as Stacey Abrams, Kamala Harris, Senator Raphael Warnock, and more. Okay, Dr. Harris, briefly share your connection to HBCUs, your role at ABC, and what led you to this historic institution. Thank you, Ashley, so much. I'm glad to be with you in in this conversation on HBCUs and and social justice as it relates to HBCUs and the politics that HBCUs have been involved in in terms of, of their history and their legacy. I'm an HBCU graduate. My family, my sisters are HBCU graduates. So HBCUs are strong in the history of my family and the community in which I was raised. I went to Knoxville College, my first HBCU experience, which was a wonderful, wonderful experience that gave me a sense of social meaning and social self-esteem because of the teachers and the environment of that college there in Knoxville in East Tennessee. And then I continued my experience with HBCUs when I came to American Baptist College to continue my education because I had a sudden transformative vision of what my life ought to be about, and that was the ministry. I thought and believed that God was calling me to share in the vocation of ministry and pastoring. And I came to American Baptist College, which was founded in 1924 by National Baptist and Southern Baptist, National Baptist USA Incorporated Black and Southern Baptist White. And the reason why they came together for that partnership was at the time, Black pastors or people aspiring to ministry were not allowed to attend Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. And National Baptists realized that our people needed a place for training. And so Southern Baptist White joined in a kind of paternalistic relationship and founded American Baptist College in 1924. So my two HBCU experiences were were great in the sense that it gave me a solid sense of who uh, we have been and who we are now as Black people striving and struggling to contribute to our people, 
and contribute to our communities. And little did I know that I would end up being president of American Baptist College after all these years. That's a longer story to tell you how that ended up happening. But after years of, of being in professional life, uh, I ended up being president of American Baptist College, the very college that I attended after several years in professional life. Wonderful. I love I love that story. Um, it connected you to who we are as, as Black people, struggling and striving. Can you describe the role that Black and minority-serving institutions have played in cultivating what I like to call transformational leadership and advocacy? Yeah. Actually, that is a insightful thing as it relates to as it relates to what HBCUs historically have meant for not only the African American experience and culture, but what HBCUs mean for the nation. HBCUs have been advocating for a whole sense of what democracy and justice and freedom and giving people full access to the things that make for human flourishing. And you can run the gamut of liberal arts education, the sciences, the humanities, and they have found a way within HBCUs to train a group of people over many years to contribute to this society and bring this society full circle to confront the issues that make for people's lives and communities a challenge. And that's the reason why HBCU's legacy and leadership and what they have provided for the training of young people, a valuable asset to the nation. And I think without that history and without them, America would be much more impoverished and less of a nation without the contributions of HBCUs. Because what they have advocated for is the accessibility, the availability as well, making all of what the nation's promise is for everybody. And they have done it with the resources and limitations placed upon them in many ways. So the value of HBCUs as advocacy institutions, as institutions who advocate for holistic responses to life with justice and freedom is a very important contribution to the nation in terms of higher education. Yes, you are absolutely correct. I love that you said that without these institutions, the country would be impoverished. <laughs> um, yes. That just speaks to the importance that these schools play. Why do you think people are just now connecting the dots between HBCUs and their legacy of justice? Well, the dominant culture is just now connecting the dots. Yeah. Um, um, when you think about the legacy and leadership of people like Benjamin Elijah Mays, who's president at Morehouse College, you think about John Merritt at Tennessee State University and, and historical Howard University, Mordecai White Johnson. All these presidents were very much aware that justice and equality and all the things that go along with educating a person, a person's to be shared the equality of the nation, that is what their visions were about. 
at how they shape HBCUs to fulfill that promise for African-Americans and making their HBCU institutions mega centers of, of, of intellect, genius, and, and all of the talent of Black development. Well, we could find them at Howard, at Morehouse, at Spelman, here at American Baptist College, Camden Plus Fisk University. And, 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 and I think the dominant culture has now begun to connect the dots that these institutions have been representative of the vision of America, even though America denied these institutions and the people who came to them access to that vision in a way where the resources were made available to them. So they're slow in connecting the dots because white supremacy has connected the dots in a way where in suggesting that these institutions are inferior, these institutions are not the way in which the nation can be made great, the nation can be made to fulfill its promise. They've seen been seen as, as institutions who are not at the core of what the nation's own quest for greatness is. But these institutions have really reminded the nation of what the nation ought to be about in terms of our education, in terms of its mission. And therefore, we are now connected to Dutch now more than any time in the history of the country. They see the value of HBCUs. Kamala Harris and the Biden administration are connecting the dots. And they realize that justice and higher education go together. They're inseparable. And a commitment to justice, a commitment to equality, a commitment to flourishing for all human beings is at the center of what makes this nation uh, the nation that it can become and the nation that is striven to become, but yet has a long ways to go. Mm, mm, mm. Yes, indeed. Why do you think that Black schools are the place where this level of cultivation or this level of justice and leadership lives? I think, actually that something in the DNA of Black people, and I think that something in the DNA of Black people was the quest to be whole and free and to fight and use all of its gifts and talents against that which contradicted their reason for being, the reason for them being who they were. I call that an ontological quality that's so deep in the bones of Black folk that when anything rises up against the full expression of people's humanity, it again ends up getting expressed, in this instance, through education. And I think your parents and my parents although they may not have gotten a college education, they said, you're going to college. <laughs> right. <laughs> you are going to get an education because they connected education with freedom. They connected education with power and the power to decide and power to make determinations about who you were going to be. Even though they knew the struggle up against a culture that denied Black people access to education and resources. They knew that once you've gotten an education, nothing could, took it, could take it away from you. Nothing could take it away. Saying that then, when you have dedicated institutions like HBCUs on the premise that as many of persons that we can educate means the more we will have persons available to liberate and transform, be agents of transformation for our communities. What we call it here in American Baptist College is we educate to liberate. 
when we educate to liberate people's mind, body, and spirit so that they can be fully, fully impactful in changing the communities that they will give leadership and serve. Freeing the mind is a challenge because of colonialism and white supremacy has loaded a whole lot of people's mind with a lens of white superiority, white supremacy, and even to the point where in anything Black, the Black community is inferior. The Black community or anything Black has to struggle against the definitions of colonialism in this country, the lens of white supremacy. And I think we got a lot of work to do to tell people Black lives do matter. And the mind that goes along with that Black lives do matter needs liberating with the thought processes, the social conditioning that has been a barrier to people living fully free and giving people new senses of knowledge and wisdom that our ancestors have had about who they are. Just think about it a moment. If our ancestors did not have a different mindset than the oppressors, where would we be? Mm -hmm. But they had a mindset that what it was that God created them to be was not to be always under the oppression and thoughts of a dominant culture. But we have to think alternative to that culture. And in terms of religion and theology, where I, that's where my hunts are, they always say, everybody's talking about heaven, they ain't going there. Heaven. They always had a critique of the culture because the culture could not be the kind of way in which people were to exist. So I think it's very important that we keep mind, body, and spirit together and we relate to what HBCUs do and whatever vocations, whatever liberal arts, whatever the sciences, whatever business, whatever the things that we do to help people participate in this culture, that we always ground them in an understanding of social justice, equity, advocacy, and leadership, and the deep sense and of how they are anchored in the history of people who struggled against great odds, but yet they made it, yet they made a profound contribution. And if you come from that kind of stock, you come from that kind of determination, what can you do in this kind of culture that's still trying to rise up its head and say that white superiority and all the things they're doing in this culture, voter suppression, what they're trying to do to, to control how history is taught, how they are dismissing critical race theory. All those kinds of things are because they cannot embrace the genius of blackness. You are on a roll today. You are on a roll today. And I, and, and I, I appreciate you sharing this insight, your perspective. So is, is this sense of grounding, is that what it, it is about an HBCU graduate that makes them different in ways that propel them to lead in extraordinary ways? Is that exactly. right? Exactly, exactly. That's the reason why you have a Raphael Warnock, a Morehouse man. That's the reason why you have a Kamala Harris, a, a Howard graduate. That's why you have Tantanisha Coates and all these others who have come through HBCUs in different issues, art, music, government, teachers, physicians here in Nashville, Meharry Medical College, training the, the bulk of the largest of black doctors in this country. 
right here in Nashville and being able to provide the nation with leadership, even in this COVID environment, helping move forward, how we help the nation become a healthy nation and against all of the things that mitigate against healthy life and so forth. This is this is what makes all of us stick our chests out and say, yes, you've got Harvard, you've got Yale, you've got University of North Carolina, you've got this, you've got that, you've got Berkeley and California, but you don't have American Baptist College trying to say we need to be a Berkeley or a Harvard because American Baptist College has two people who have received the Medal of Freedom from the President of the United States as an HBCU. Now, come on, Harvard. Come on, Berkeley. Come on, University of North Carolina. Come on, any of you who have who have, who has that distinction, and they have that distinction because they were committed institutions to social justice, and the people who came here in the 1960s to go to college were, 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 were determined to change a, a society that ran against the grain of their humanity, segregation, racism, and they felt a call deep in their spirits that they have to do something about it. And that's the reason why you have C.T. Vivian and Congressman Representative John Lewis receiving the Medal of Freedom from President Obama. And, and it's, it is a history, it is a distinction that we need to continue to remind young people is that come on back home. You may go to the larger universities, but come on back home with your gifts, your skills, and resources so that we can change the future for many, many people. I like what we've seen Nicole Hannah-Jones do recently when the University of North Carolina did not grant her tenure. When she had been there for years, Pulitzer Prize winner, 1619 Project, had done the work, demonstrated her excellence in the intellect, and then all of a sudden, tenure becomes problematic at the University of North Carolina. Then, when the University of North Carolina discovered that a whole lot of other universities were interested in her history of intellect and academia, academic excellence, offering her tenure, offering her positions. You know what Nicole Hannah-Jones said to the University of North Carolina? I don't want your tenure. I don't want to go to any other majority institution because we ought to be tired of trying to prove our worth. Yes, indeed. At these institutions. Our worth is in our blackness and in our commitment to, to full humanity. And we've contributed, we've struggled, and we are not any longer willing to continue to try to prove to you that we are human beings on an equal par with anybody in the world. I'm going to take my $15 million program to Howard University. <laughs> yes. And from that platform and that history, demonstrate what we can do to transform society in the world. I love that kind of, of action and decision-making on the part of Nicole Hammond-Jones. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's talk a little bit more about ABC's legacy. Tell me a little bit more about, you know, ABC's commitment to leadership in the social justice space. Well, I, I mentioned earlier that in 1958, John Lewis, now gone from us, but not from us, C.T. Vivian, Bernard Lafayette, 
Julia Scruggs, James Bevel were all students here at American Baptist College when the Nashville Student Sit-In Movement was launched. In fact, they were at the center of the student leadership that were trained by James Lawson on nonviolent methodology, civil disobedience to protest injustice. From that platform and previously, Ashley, this school was, as I indicated, founded in 1924 by white Baptists and black Baptists, white Baptists because they didn't want black people attending their universities or seminaries. But they did not have a clue that history was at work and God was work at work in that history, that American Baptist College would become an incubator, a ground for training students to be ready for the movement of, of the 60s through the lunch counter sit-ins here in Nashville and then the larger civil rights movement. The nonviolent campaign here in Nashville at, in terms of the sit-in movement tactic, the, the strategy was to desegregate downtown Nashville. Just not the Lots County, but downtown Nashville. Nobody had taken that large challenge on. And in Greensboro at A&T, they had a week or two before set in the lunch counters at Greensboro. But the difference here in Nashville, the larger strategy was for civil disobedience and nonviolent methods to desegregate a city, a downtown. And as a result of that, students here at American Baptist College and at this, and at Tennessee State University and at Meharry and some from Vanderbilt began a movement, a campaign that changed Nashville and the nation. From this little space here in Nashville on the grounds of American Baptist College, we call the Holy Hill, change a nation and change a world's understanding of justice. That is not known in this nation about American Baptist College and the HBCUs here in Nashville. We are treasure hidden in a field, given a biblical metaphor. But I, we know what that treasure is. So as the history evolved, John Lewis goes on, and C.T. Vivian and Bernard Lafayette on the Freedom Rides, interstate Freedom Rides, another system segregation, lunch counters, economic segregation, but another system of interstate travel that they challenged. And the students here in Nashville, John Lewis, Diane Nash, and others, when it became so dangerous that they wrote out wheels before they went on these marches, decided that if they didn't do it, who was going to do it? And they went on those freedom rides. Actually, John Lewis was in jail in Jackson, Mississippi, in the Parchment Prison, I think, or jail as it was called, in 1961, June 1961, the year, the spring of his graduation. He couldn't attend his graduation from American Baptist College because he was in jail. And we have a letter in our archive that he wrote to the academic dean indicating how they were doing and that, you know, to keep praying for them. Now, Ashley, when you have that kind of history, and that kind of legacy to be good stewards of. What we've done here at the school in our modern expression of what it means to be educated is that we must keep people mindful of how critical justice is as a core issue of this nation. In the world, all over, poverty and the proximity of violence has to do with justice and the distribution 
of resources. It has to do with equity, closing the gaps, wealth gaps and the poverty gaps. It has to do with the mass incarceration system, prison industrial complex system, because over the years, disparities in poverty, disparities in education has created a criminalization of people because of poverty. And if we don't train people in their various fields and choices to, to advocate, or do advocating for change and transformation, what do these HBCUs history really mean to us? We just cannot train people to have individual success, have people you know, do well for themselves without creating for them a sense of their commitment to the entire community and nation. We are training servant leaders here. And as we train them to have a servant leadership sense of themselves, they will go out and do well for themselves and their families. But they realize it can't be us four and no more if they get married and have four children. It can't be us four and no more. We can't have a big house in the suburbs. We can't have a bank account just flourishing just for my pleasures. We've got to bring our talents, our gifts, and our training in a servant mode back to the community. Right, right. How is it that, you know, many, many schools sort of struggle with this, having these rich traditions and this rich yeah, history? I, I think what you're asking me is with the rich tradition of HBCUs and what now we have to offer in terms of education, but what education should mean for a nation who's struggling now to know who it is. This nation does not know who it is. It's divided, it's polarized. This nation is in deep sense of itself in a divided mental, divided political, divided, and every way you can talk about being divided, polarized around what democracy means. Education ought to help us reclaim democracy and reclaim what the nation's creeds ought to mean for the sustainable future that we are seeking to achieve for our grandchildren and on. And I think that is an invaluable need for HBCUs to continue to train people to take the holistic vision of the country and holistic vision of what it means to be a global citizen. We have many problems, climate change, and many issues that we need to address. And I think they can be addressed through transformative education. We right now have on campus show that we are continuing in the in the tradition of social justice here on the campus of American Baptist College. We have on our campus today about 45 legal prosecutors across the country in a webinar on our campus and to help them understand how in their role as legal prosecutors in various states and cities, how important it is that they understand justice and how equity, advocacy, and leadership are to play into their understanding of how they prosecute cases. Mm, that's that's the role HBCUs should play. Yeah, We need to help realize that we're not just training individuals. We need to educate and transform the way in which a nation needs to change systems. Systems need to be changed, transformed. And some of those systems have to be done away with. They are oppressive. They are out of a colonial history of oppression. They are not worthy of a future because they don't have a future. These systems, segregation had to go, Jim Crow had to go, and some of these systems that continue to guard the status quo have to be changed. 
And that's what we're about here at American Baptist College. It's been American Baptist College is about educating to liberate, to prepare students for social justice, leadership, and Christian service in the world. We do that by emphasizing social justice, equity, advocacy, and leadership as our seal for how people ought to have a lens for how they can participate as global citizens in the world to change systems, to be servant leaders and agents of change, because it has to be that everybody understands their own unique responsibility and contribution to a nation that needs to change, need to have justice, need to be transformed. And we do that here because it is at the core of our identity as a nation. That was perfect. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of On the Yard, powered by the R.W. Jones Agency. R.W. Jones is the nation's only strategic communications and issues management firm explicitly focused on higher education, serving more than 50 colleges and universities nationwide. Check back for next week's episode of On the Yard, where we'll give you another dose of HBCU leadership and culture. <laughs>